go to the bathroom that somehow it's going to turn on. And so I go out of my way to turn off. So are we, are we good now? Sound good? Okay. All right. John chapter number four, John four and uh, learning. Uh, you're kind of going to take a step back because there was something I missed and I really want to go over it with y'all. Um, and uh, look, look if you would at verse number 36, John chapter four, verse number, uh, go to 35. I'm sorry. Say not ye there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages. In other words, you are going to get paid for the work that you're doing by the Lord. Uh, God is not a cheap boss. All right. And, and uh, listen, I'll be, real, I'll, I'll be real honest with you. Uh, I know sometimes Christians, without meaning to, don't, don't always realize it. Uh, it's easy to take advantage of each other and just go, well, you're doing me a favor. So, you know, normally if it was someone else, I'd pay him. But, you know, you're a brother in Christ. Uh, I, when someone offers to do something, I'm always like, how much is it? You go, well, no, they want to do it for you. Let's go through that a couple of times and just to make sure. All right. Because uh, I don't like that. I don't like when people take advantage of people. And you know what the Lord doesn't do? He does not take advantage of us. Uh, uh, l- l- notice what it says here. He, uh, he that reapeth receiveth wages. Now, I will say this. If you want to get paid, you got to work. Kind of a foreign concept today, I understand. Uh, but like, why can't I just, I literally had someone, and they said this jokingly, they said it jokingly, but they literally said, Adrian, I don't think you understand. I want to make more money. I just don't want to work. <laughs> and, and, and it's kind of funny, but let me be honest with you. There's a lot, uh, I can tell you this, I've interviewed a lot of people over the years at work, and there's a lot more of that than, than you might believe. Uh, uh, that people want, and, and here's the problem. The problem is whatever uh, uh, culture is outside of these four walls, it makes its way in. Let me give you an example. Uh, 50 years ago, kid mouths off to their parent. They get a whooping. No questions asked. Uh, and and look, look, let me just uh, clarify for you butterfly social people that think I'm being a, a monster here. The Bible says you're supposed to do that. God says you're supposed to. Uh, no, no, but I give them time out. Do whatever you want to do in your own home. I'm not, I'm not your master, but I'm going to tell you right now. The Bible says this is how you handle this, and this is why. Uh, if you think you're a better parent than God, you take it up with him when you get there. But you know what he says about his own kids, whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth, all right? Uh, and, and I don't want to go on a whole lesson about that, but, but the whole point is this. As it relates to society, you've got people that d- generally believe they're going to rewrite the way things are done. Listen, you are not going to, you're not going to get away with, the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. Remember that over there in Thessalonians? There's a warning from Paul about being involved with busybodies. In other words, people that don't work. Now, uh, let, me, let me say this. If you want to reap the rewards later on, now is the time to work. And, and I'm, I'm very well convinced that most Christians uh, today, most saved people today, uh, kind of look at it this way. Well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, and that's all I really care about. Um, and, and that's, that's why I'm thankful you're saved and thankful that you're going to heaven and if that's you. But let me go a step further. When you get there, you're going to want to have something to show for your Christian life. And uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to get that across sometimes because we live in the temporal world where you do something, you instantly get the reward, right? You, we have been Amazoned to death. So, so you hit a button and stuff shows up at your house, right? And, and so we, we have this culture of, I, I want it, therefore I should have it without having to work for it. And then people get saved and they come to church and, and you think like automatically the Holy Spirit's inside of someone, all that goes away. That's not true. Listen, if, if you're a gossip before you get saved, you might struggle with your tongue after you get saved. 
If you have a problem with the way your eyes are looking, you might have a problem with that after you get saved. Uh, If you have a problem with being selfish and you're a self-centered person, uh, you might have a problem with that even after you get saved. God doesn't take, you know what he does? He takes the real you and changes that. And then what you're supposed to do is submit this to the real you, Christ in you, in efforts to see what God's done on the inside and to, as the Bible says in Philippians, work out, not work for, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So the idea is this, if, if you're here and you're like, man, I, I want to have something to show for my life, now's the time to labor. Uh, not everybody's labor is the same. I think one of the hardest things that uh, Christians get stuck, uh, they kind of get stuck with mentally is, uh, if I'm going to do something for God, I've got to sell everything I have and go to the mission field. And, and listen, if that's what God wants, that's what you ought to do. Uh, but I'm going to tell you right now, if everyone sells everything and everyone goes to the mission field, there's no one to stay here. You understand? So, so they're, they're, and no one will support the missionaries because everybody will be a missionary. All right, so, so everyone has a part to do. Uh, I think the problem is you tend to look at whatever it is God's given you to do and go, it's not that big of a deal, therefore I'm just not going to really care about it. Uh, and I'll give you an example of what I mean. Um, okay, if, if we say, hey, this guy went on, a, on an evangelistic campaign. The, the, the folks came back from Malawi. They saw hundreds of people saved. And uh, you know what you say, man, I wish I could go, and you ought to go if you can go. Uh, I, but man, I, I need to go, if I'm going to do something for God, I got to go to the mission field and see hundreds saved that way. Maybe if that's what God wants. But let me just say this. There are some people in this church that will never go to Malawi. And you know what some of you did? Some of you sacrificed some of your finances to send some of these young people. And you're going to have rewards at the judgment seat of Christ if you did it with the right motive. And, and so, listen, if you're willing to labor, the Lord will repay you, all right? Look, if you would, at verse 36. He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city, remember this has to do with the Lord dealing with that woman at the well. Uh, Many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, John 4, verse 40, they besought him that he would tarry with them and he abode there two days. We talked about that and how that two days is a picture of 2,000 years. Uh, And many more believed because of his own word and said to the woman, now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee for Jesus himself testified their prophet hath no honor in his own country. I'm going to ask the Lord to bless what we're looking at. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to open up this book. And Lord, thank you for the words that are in here that you've preserved for us to understand your thoughts, your mind, your Lord, uh, your, your heart. And God, I pray that you would help us as we dig. Lord, I pray for the Holy Spirit of God to, to move. Lord, I can, I can prepare and Lord, I can teach. Uh, but Lord, if your spirit's not in this, it'll be a colossal waste of time. Lord, it'll leave your people thirsty and hungry for what they came for. And I don't want that. Lord, I know you don't want that. We pray that the Holy Spirit of God would have liberty to move in this place. And Lord, I do pray if anyone comes today that isn't saved, that today would be the day of their salvation. And Lord, for every believer that's here, that they would leave edified and encouraged and strengthened in their walk with you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to take a, a break. Hey, hold your hand there in John 4. We're going to come back. Go to Proverbs 17. I uh, kind of meant to open up with this, and I think it's important to look at. Uh, Proverbs 17, it really is not directly related to 
the Sunday school lesson. Uh, however, I, I want to point it out, and there's a reason for it. Uh, Proverbs chapter number 17, and uh, we have our kids read a proverb for the day uh, in addition to their Bible reading. And so we're just listening to this on the way to church. Uh, and uh, I, I thought this is great. Uh, look at verse number 16. Uh, verse number 16. And uh, we're talking about values and value systems. And, and in regards to, to if you reap and you get involved in God's harvest, you'll also receive wages. Um, uh, look, if you would, at verse number 16 of Proverbs 17. Wherefore, is there a what? Price in the hand of a fool to get what? Seeing he hath no, what's the next word? Do, do you realize the grace? I've literally watched, go back to John 4, I've literally watched what I believe to be one of the greatest Bible teachers of all time. Uh, I, I, I watched him, heard of this, you know, basically a situation where he was trying to deal with someone in the church and go, hey, you don't want to go down this road. This is a bad idea. Got down on one knee and basically was begging the guy not to make a mess of things. And the guy, after listening to that preacher for 20 some years, walked up and did what he's going to do anyways. You say, what is that? That's the heart issue. It's not an intellectual issue. And so as we get into the word of God this morning, make sure that your heart is in the right place. Because I can tell you right now that one of the issues of of simply uh, taking in information, especially when it's not connected to a local church and you're listening to messages, and that's fine. But when you're just taking in that information and you're not doing anything with it, intellectually you're growing, but spiritually you're not. The heart has to receive it. And the Bible talks about the the heart being a picture when it's right with God of that good ground and receiving that word and doing something with what God said. So in light of that, go back to John 4. We're talking about making sure that your value system aligns with God's. Uh, The the, the things that you're working towards in your life. Listen, I'll be honest with you. A a lot of folks at the church that I was just at, uh, they've been uh, serving God for many, many, many years. And talking to some of them, they've got, you know, this issue with their health and that issue with their health. And, and some of them made, I mean, really did very well for themselves in their careers throughout their lifetime. And, and you look at them now, and, and, and they're, 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 at the twi- they're at the end of their, of their life. And, and I thought to myself, man, if all you had to do was take up space, work a job, pay taxes, amass wealth so that someday you have to give it all away and kick the bucket and leave this plant. There's nothing else to it. What a terrible existence. Uh, you, you know what's, what's an awesome thing to watch? Christians that are in their 70s, some pushing 80, going, man, I just want to finish the right way. That encourages me. <laughs> uh, all right, look if you were to John chapter 4. And notice here, the Lord says that, the, that he that reapeth receiveth wages. Listen, uh, sometimes you're sowing and sometimes you're reaping. Uh, but I will tell you this, uh, whatever it is that you sow, you will reap. Look at G- uh, Galatians chapter number 6. And by the way, we oftentimes say this in a negative light. You know, we tell young people, be, you know, be careful what you do in your, your early years because you're going to reap what you sow. And, and that's fine. That's true. Uh, but I want to point out the context because context matters, does it not? As we're learning the Bible, context matters. And, and uh, when Paul says what he says, I want to be real clear with you. He's not saying it in a negative context. It's actually the opposite. He's talking about them. Uh, well, look at, look at Galatians 6. And look if you would at uh, verse number uh, 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You go, see? But, well, yeah, but do you know what he was just talking to them about? He's talking about when you get blessed spiritually and you receive spiritual gifts 
from those that minister to you spiritually, you are to minister them back in carnal gifts. He's talking about giving and receiving in a local church setting. So he's trying to remind them, look, when you're doing the right thing, God is watching. <laughs> listen, listen, that woman gets down there and breaks that box, that alabaster box of ointment, and, and uh, you know how that goes. Uh, no one told her to do it, by the way. She wasn't commanded. When someone goes, you know, tithing's Old Testament, fine, call it giving. Call whatever you want, but you're not getting out of the fact that if you love something and you love someone, you give to that thing, you give to that person, all right? Uh, if you don't believe that, just get married. <laughs> it, will, it will test your ability to give, amen? And, and, and you know what it's, uh, gentlemen, I'm going to speak to you for a moment. I'll talk to you ladies in just a moment. You guys get in the car, the sun's blazing on you, all right, it's maybe 65 degrees, so it's a cool, crisp fall day, but the sun's beating in on you. Your wife's over here, and she's going, I'm freezing. Can we please turn the heat on? You're like, I'm sweating. Can we turn the air on? And right there and then you realize, I didn't marry a beautiful thing. I married a woman. I married a person. I married a person, right? All right, now that's, that's the guys. Ladies, you're talking to them. And he, you're talking to him, and you're going through the week. My wife does this. I mean, she has, she has, I mean, every hour of the day pretty much is playing out. My wife knows exactly what she's doing all the time. And I thank God for people like that. I thank God that other people are that way. Amen? And she's got it all planned out, all mapped out. And, and we're talking, and I say we're talking. She's talking, and about five minutes in, she goes, so will that work for you? And I'm like, I, I think I got all that because you say it one more time just in case. And, and, and then you ladies go, you never listen. Now, he's, he does listen sometimes. If you say, give me a kiss, he'll listen to that, all right? I mean, if he, if, he, he been, amen, amen. Uh, there, there's things he says selective hearing, but you understand what I'm saying. You, you, you value love based on how you want it to be received. You look at the other person and go, this is how I expect it, therefore. But the point is this. You expect to receive in that relationship, and you should also expect to give. Listen, for God so loved the world that he... Yeah. So you're not going to get out of the idea. I, I've had these... I listen to conversations. I've heard it for the last 30 years of my life. People argue about tithing, not tithing. And, and here's all I'm going to say. Do, argue all you want to theologically. At the end of the day, you and I know, if I look at your calendar or your checkbook, I know exactly what you love. All right, so don't put God in a box and go, well, God, you're over here and, and here's the rest of my life, right? So Paul's talking about that. He's actually encouraging them in Galatians chapter 6 as they're giving to remember that whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also. It wasn't actually a negative context, it was a positive one. It works either way as well. But look if you would at verse number 8, Galatians 6, verse 8. For, and, and again, I want to point out this is Paul talking to the church. So these are, these, this is New Testament doctrine, all right? For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap what? But he that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap what? And then look at the encouragement in verse 9. You know why? Because you're tempted, because you are Amazon in this culture, you are tempted if you don't get it right now, it's not there. That's why, go to Matthew chapter 6. That's why the Lord says what he says to the disciples. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Uh, I read a, a real small little booklet called The Treasure Principle. Uh, I would recommend that. No, it's not written by someone that even knows how to properly rightly divide. No, they're not a Bible believer, maybe in our right. Uh, but uh, I'll just say this. The, the practical application of that book, excellent, especially as it relates to understanding the heart of God and as it relates to giving. Uh, look at Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter 6. And uh, look, look here what it says in verse number... 
Oh, let's see here. Verse number, that's not it. I'm looking down at, uh, that's not it. I got the wrong reference. Oh, verse 19. Uh, Lay down up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Now look, when you, you have to work. The Bible says that he, a man, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Uh, so America says, no, we'll feed you anyways. And God says, okay, watch what happens to your culture. All right. So, so if you don't work, you don't eat. All right. So let's say you're working. You're doing the honorable thing you're working. Do you realize, man, the IRS gets its portion. Uh, the lawyers, if you live long enough, get their portion. The doctors, if you're healthy enough for long enough, get their portion. Uh, but you're working your whole entire life. Let me ask you this question, Christian. What do you have to show for in eternity? All the time. All the money. You make it while I'm poor. Let me, let, me, let me help you out a little bit. This is just like when, when uh, people tell me America's a racist country. Uh, look, first off, I'm not white, so don't you know, look at me like, you just, I'm just, I'm a minority, so just be quiet and listen for a moment. Don't, l- l- just put the news media out of your head for just a little bit. If you say that, it's because you haven't lived anywhere else. I've lived in other countries. Though, and you know what you find out? Racism is not an American thing. It is a human pride heart issue. I was in Bolivia watching the, the, the Highland Bolivians, the mountain people. They were the, the ones that have the government jobs. They're the policemen. And the European, low, they call them the, the lowlander folks, they, they get pulled over. And you know what they do? Fist of cuffs, man, in traffic. This is not an American thing. This is a, a problem among human nature. That's all it is. Uh, but what, what I want you to understand is this. Travel around. You, you'll find out. Go to Malawi. All right? Go, go, to, go to Bolivia. Uh, go, to, go to Mexico in certain parts. I'm not talking about the resorts in Cancun. Get out of there and go to real Mexico, all right? Uh, up in the villages, all right, where they, they've got uh, uh, places that barely have running water and electricity. All right, well, if you do that, you're going to come away th- thinking when you get back, I'm rich. You don't think that right now. Travel a little bit. You might come back thinking a little bit differently. And here's what I want you to understand. You're going to stand next to, when you get raptured out of here and you go to the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to stand next to some poor Christians from India. And some poor Christians from the Philippines. And some poor Christians from Mexico. And you know what some of them did? They threw their two mites in. They threw all they had in. I don't just mean money. I mean with everything. And, and you know how Americans are? Well, well, preacher is going to fit with my schedule. I mean, why would you have a meeting for five days? Don't you know our kids have to get up and go to school in the morning? I mean, what, why is it? Uh, 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 well, I just feel like it, there's too much. It's just too much. And the Lord just goes, okay, fine. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. You know, some of you are going to find out the Lord just passed right by. You know why? You didn't want him involved. You didn't want him messing with your schedule, messing with your finances, and messing with your family, and messing with your life. You know what the Lord will do? Okay, that's fine. That's your business. But I'm going to tell you right now, I want something to show for it when I get there. So Louis says in Matthew 6, verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt. Now, let me say this. If God blesses you, and you do well financially, and you have nice things, God's not against you, okay? Uh, we don't believe in a prosperity gospel. That's not biblical. It's not New Testament. All that's true. At the same time, understand that if, if God's blessed someone and given them things and taken care of them, there's nothing wrong with that. I know some good Christian people that give away literally 50% of their income, and they're millionaires. But you know what I know about those same people? They didn't start when they became millionaires. See, some of you are like, oh, if I was a millionaire, I would. <laughs> sure you would. Sure you would. All right, now, now the, the, whole, the whole idea is this. He's, he's telling you intention. 
Lay not. That means lay not up for yourself. In other words, don't make this your goal. Okay? Uh, but watch what he says. Uh, 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 verse number 19, let's finish it. Where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves, this is an intentional action that you have to take, treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Uh, go to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 6. Hebrews chapter 6. So, you know what the Lord's going to look at? Uh, what is it? Uh, is it Capital One? The, the, is that a uh, financing? Yeah. What's in your wallet? Yeah. Uh, the, the Lord's going to look and go, what's in your hand? Well, all I've got is five loaves and two fishes. That'll do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, all I've got is, and I'm not a good speaker, and I don't do this. I, yeah, but, but, but what are you willing to do with what I've given you? Yeah, right? Uh, look, if you go to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number six, Hebrews chapter six, and just know that, that God is not like us. God does not forget uh, things. <laughs> uh, God is not uh, unrighteous. Uh, matter of fact, matter of fact, when uh, that guy, remember the story of Joseph when he's in prison and he uh, is able to discern for the baker and the butler what those dreams meant? Remember what the guy says? The guy says, I won't forget you. Remember that? And then he forgot him, and you know, he says, my sin be upon me this day, right? Like, I've messed up. Uh, in other words, it is an unrighteous thing to forget those you should remember. And so look what, what the Bible says about the Lord. Now, look, if, if tomorrow we all woke up and God forgot about all of us, do you know what none of us could say? None of us could actually say, God, uh, uh, it's, it's wrong of you. To, I can't believe that you forgot us. We, we merit better. On our own, we have no merit at all. The only reason God remembers us is because of Jesus Christ. Uh, look at Hebrews 6 and look if you would at verse number 10. For God, God is not unrighteous to forget your what? And labor of what? Now that's a key thing. I was talking with someone uh, yesterday about this very thing. And, and uh, let me just say this. Uh, two of the strongest motivators in human nature, you know what they are? Fear and love. All right, and let me say this right now. If you're serving God exclusively out of fear, you're missing out. Amen. I didn't say there are times where you shouldn't fear the Lord. The Bible says you ought to. But, but let me just say this. My kids don't walk around my house like this. You know, there are times I do that with my wife. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but, but my kids don't do that with me, all right? So they don't, you know why they don't do that? They, they don't do that because like, they don't, they're not expecting that at any moment I'm just going to haul off. They, they understand if they do get a punishment, there's a reason for it. We're going to talk about it, and they're going to understand why. It's not going to be this surprise. In other words, they don't just live in constant fear in our home. It's not healthy to live in constant fear. Uh, the Bible says perfect love casteth out fear. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be afraid of some things. It doesn't mean you shouldn't fear the Lord. Uh, however, if that's exclusively your relationship with God, you're missing out. All right. Uh, I want you to see something. Uh, look at First uh, Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. So sometimes the Lord gives you something, and you hopefully I can remember the reference. First uh, Thessalonians chapter one, and look if you would at verse number three. First Thessalonians chapter one. Look at verse number three. This is Sunday. What? School. That's it. So we are we are studying the Word of God. We are learning. So it takes. You know what it takes. Going from one reference to another. Uh, someone was telling me they recently visited a church. The guy never opened his Bible, never said turn here, never turn here. 
And, and I'm not, I don't, I don't know where it was, don't care to know, I'm not making fun of them. I'm just saying, that's not church. It's not church. Church is where you open up the book and let God speak to you. Uh, look at First Thessalonians chapter 1. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number 3. Remembering without ceasing, look at these elements, your work of faith and labor of what? Love. All right, and patience of hope. I want to show you something real quick. Look at Revelation chapter 2. This was definitely not in our notes, but we're going there. So uh, if you, 10 years from now, move away and come back and we're still in the Gospel of John, you'll know why. <laughs> because there's a lot of stuff that ain't in the notes that we're going to go look at, all right? Uh, squirrel! Amen, right? Uh, scripture, uh, Revelation chapter 2, look if you would at uh, verse number 1. Under the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, these, saith, uh, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience. Now, can I, can I remind you something? We just read of, in Thessalonians... A work of what? You remember? Faith. And a labor of what? All right. By the way, when people say, oh, you are as old English, no, it's not. They still spell it that way over in England. Uh, just fun fact for you. We, they, they make fun. They, they, you know what they say about us Americans? You don't speak English. You speak American. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, eagle flying, red, you know, red one. Yeah, yeah. All right. So. But, uh, but notice this, uh, the Bible says it was a labor of love. Did you notice in Revelation chapter 2 there's something missing? They got the mechanics, they got the work, they got the labor, but the elements that make it what it should be are missing. You get that? Work of faith, labor of love, hope of patience, patience of hope. Uh, look down if you would at uh, verse number 4. You know what the problem with Ephesus was? They knew exactly what they, they were good fundamentalists. They knew exactly what they were supposed to do. They knew they had to go to church. They knew they had to read their Bible. They knew they had to tithe. They knew they had to do the list of things, right? And I got to go, I got to give out a track today because if I don't, I'm, you know, a terrible person. God's going to kill my dog or something like that. And so I better, I better do this, right? And so going through all the motions, but the elements that make it something, listen to me very carefully, something worthy of receiving on the Lord's part are not there. Uh, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You want to have something to show for it on the other side. Uh, consider the education that God gives you. Consider the money God gives you. Consider the, uh, the health that God gives you. Uh, health doesn't seem like a big deal until you don't have it. I know of one person right now that is beg I mean, just begging and pleading with God, Lord, please get me well enough to go to church. Uh, you know what gets me mad? There's a bunch of Christians at home right now that are just fine health-wise, and they're not in the church. And then you got folks that are just saying, God, just give me enough health to make it for one hour. And uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't understand all that stuff. I don't think we'll understand all that until we get to glory. Uh, but look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, consider, in other words, consider all the things that God has given you. How are you utilizing them? But, but understand, furthermore, it's not just the mechanics. It's the motive behind the mechanics. When the motive isn't there, let me tell you this, the mechanics don't last forever. You remember remember uh, the, the Tin Man? You guys ever watch The Wizard of Oz? Them flying monkeys are creepy, man. I don't know. Like for the 1920s or whenever they made that, they were just, that was, to me that was like horror movie material, flying monkeys. I, anyways, remember the Tin Man? And, and, and he needed more what? Oil. Oil. 
You know, I think some of you, sometimes the problem is you need more of the Spirit of God in your life. You're going through all the mechanics and you're just rusty. And you know what you got to do and you're doing it, but you're not enjoying it. I watch Christians all the time going, man, you're not doing it right. You ought to be smiling every once in a while. You ought to laugh every once in a while. Uh, the Lord rejoiced during his earthly ministry. He sure did. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and look, if you would, at uh, verse number 1. Talking about, I want to give you context. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, that's your body, right? That's your, your physical body. Uh, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. That's your new body, 1 Corinthians 15. Now, now look at this in verse 2. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, uh, which is from heaven. He goes on to talk about that, that, that house that we we're going to get someday. Now, look down, if you would, at verse number 6. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing, rather to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor. Here's your labor. Here's your work. Here's your reaping. Right? Here's your sowing. That whether present or absent, we may be what? All right. Now, you've already been accepted in the beloved. He's not talking about your place in Christ, your spiritual position seated with him in heavenly places. Uh, you, you can never be rejected by God as it relates to the salvation of your soul. That's already been done. All right. But as it relates to your labor, some things God goes, no, thanks. <gasps> Why would God do that to me? Look, there's been times where I ask the kids to do a chore. Is it done? Yeah, it got done. And I go look at them like. It looks like a blind pirate with one arm and one leg did this job. You know, peg leg Pete, you know, and you didn't, you didn't, what were you doing? Oh, I'm just trying to get it done. Listen to me, you're not going to get a reward for just getting it done. It needs to be done well. Look, look, there's a reason why sometimes when people say, Pastor, can we do a new ministry? Pastor, can we do this? I don't always say yes because I'd rather do five things very well than 50,000 things very poorly. And a lot of churches go, oh, that church has that ministry. We need to do that too. If God's not telling us to do it, we shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> uh, but the idea is this. In your personal life, you ought to understand that you, you are striving to be accepted of him. In other words, you want him to go, here are your wages. Look at Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19. Matthew chapter 19. This thing giving out. This thing's giving out. Emma, can you take care of that for me later on? Look at Matthew chapter number 19. And I don't know, I kind of think this is funny. Um, I love the fact that Peter says what everyone's thinking, but no one else has the guts to say it. Uh, Matthew chapter 19, look if you would at verse number 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? <laughs> Lord, don't you know what I gave up? Yeah, but didn't you get to see the dead raised? Well, yeah. Did you get to walk on water? <laughs> there is that. <laughs> but we go look at the Lord and go, Lord, look at everything I gave up. Lord, Lord, you know what's funny about it? If I'm God, you know what I say? Shut up. I gave you better than what you got, what you had before me. Yeah. That's what I'd say. But I'm thankfully I'm not God, amen. Because uh, he doesn't treat us that way. Look what the Lord does. In the next verse, he tells them now what he tells them and what they're gonna have is different than what a New Testament Christian will have. This is for the apostles specifically. I'm not going to get into all that doctrinally right now. But the point is this. When someone looked up to the Lord and the Lord, what am I going to get out of this? The Lord goes, oh, this is it. This is what it's going to be. He had no problem telling them. As a matter of fact, think about this. 
lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. The Lord knows that by nature, there's something in us that desires a prize for what we do. And the Lord goes, I'm going to give that. I'm glad to give that to you. You just have to show up and you have to work. Look at John chapter number four. John chapter four. Actually, go to Romans six. I'm sorry. Then we'll go to John four. Romans chapter six. Romans chapter six. Brother, can you go back a few slides? The slide that mentions, I think it's 112, mentions wages. John chapter, or Romans 6, excuse me. Romans chapter 6. And a very, very well-known verse, one that I think it, it gets quoted often when you're talking to someone about their, the salvation of their soul. Uh, but look at Romans 6, and look if you would at verse number 23. For the wages of sin is death. So, so here's the thing. What, what you need to understand is everyone on this planet is working towards something. Right. If you're lost without Jesus Christ, you're working towards death. Um, you as a saved individual, you know, what you ought to understand I'm working towards something that's up there. It can't be tarnished with down here. And if all you do is 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 for live for what's down here. None of it makes it up there. It doesn't mean that God can't bless you and give you things. It's not the point of the message. The point of the study is this as it relates to what you're aiming for. What are you aiming for? Uh, let me ask you a question that you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you go on vacation once a year and you plan that vacation or plan a visit to family or plan something? You plan it. Okay. What are you planning for the Lord? You know, a lot of Christians do. I'm just going to church and hopefully God speaks to me. He's been talking a lot. (laughs) He's he's talked a whole lot. I mean, like 66 books worth. And and the, the question is not, is God talking? The question is, are you listening? What are you doing with it? All right, so, so the idea is, is hey, look at, look, look at Romans 7. Look at Romans 7, look at verse 4. Uh, and understand that as it relates to the idea of service, you have always served something. You've always served somebody. And if I were to say this, people say, oh, the, the, the choice is between the devil and God. Um, maybe, sometimes. I think more often than not, the choice that you face is serving yourself versus the Lord. Um, and I think sometimes the problem that we have is the way the Lord wants us to serve him is through his people. Yeah. It's like, Lord, I'd, I'd love to serve you some other way. Unfortunately, that's how he wants it done, yeah. right? L- look at Romans 7. Look at verse number 4. Wherefore, my brethren, we also become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another. It's a spiritual connotation there. Even to him, Christ, who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth what? Uh, over there in John 15, you know, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Amen. Abide in me and you'll bear fruit. All right? Uh, look at verse number uh, uh, 5. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins which were in the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto what? Now watch this. But now it's bad fruit. It's bad fruit. That's what the flesh can produce. Uh, verse 6. But now we are delivered from the law that being uh, dead when we were held that we should serve in newness of spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. You know what he's going through here? You know what he's trying to explain? He's trying to explain that no matter what, where you go in life, you're serving something. The question is, who or what are you serving? And what the Lord is saying is, look, there's this great harvest out there, and I'm calling you to my service. You don't have to do it. And the Lord is not going to die if we don't do it. The Lord is not less God because we don't get involved. We're less who we're supposed to be because we don't get involved. Uh, Look back at John chapter number 4. John chapter 4. Fun fact for you while you turn there. The first time the word wages shows up in the Bible. Do you know what it's connected to? Uh, Jacob 
trying to, trying to work for his wife. Some of you young men, the only way you've known to talk to a girl is through Snapchat. You have a hard time being in Jacob's shoes. Going to daddy, and you know what daddy says? First off, you ain't going through the back door of Snapchat. You're talking to me, bud, number one. Number two, you want her? Seven years, you got to work for me. That's where a lot of you are like, well, Lord, would you bring me another bride? <laughs> Maybe she's not the one. Maybe she's not the one. So you know how the story goes? Jacob works for her, and then Jacob gets a little taste of his own medicine, just like he deceived his own dad by dressing up to be someone that he wasn't. Uh, he wakes up in the morning after his honeymoon. He wakes up in the morning, and it's not the bride he wanted. And then he wakes up, he goes to the, to the father, and goes, what? Whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Oh, I forgot to tell you, it's not customary to give you the, the younger one. You got the older one. And hey, seven more years, she can be yours, though. And some of you guys right now are like, uh-uh, there ain't no way. Because I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. 14 years. He worked for her for 14 years. You know what, you know what his, uh, uh, his wage was? You know what his, his, his earnings was? You know what his prize was? It was her. So what's interesting about it is the wage of sin is death. So do you know what Jesus Christ does? He pays the ultimate price to win his bride. So in light of that, in light of that, in light of that, um, do you think the Lord's asking too much? I don't. I don't. Look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Sorry I invoked meatloaf in the Sunday school. Forgive me. (laughs) For those that are old enough to even understand what's happening right now, John chapter number 4. John chapter 4. We had cool names in the 90s. Food. We named stuff after food. Smashing pumpkins, right? Meatloaf. I mean, that just sounds really good, right? John chapter 4. Look, if you would, at verse uh, number uh, 37. Hearing is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you're entered into their labors. Now, uh, here's a question. What is he talking about when he says other men labored, and you're entered in their labors? Um, well, let's think about this. Uh, when they're going out and they're preaching, let, let's go back and let's remember doctrinal context when the Lord, in historical context, when the Lord sends out the apostles, the disciples there during his earthly ministry, what are they preaching? They're preaching the gospel of what? There you go, the gospel of the kingdom. They're not preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I just read over there in Luke where the Lord tells them he's going to be die, he's going to die for their sins, be betrayed, buried, and the Bible says they understood none of these things. So don't tell me they preached the same message. They didn't. They had no. They didn't understand up until the very end. They didn't understand. All right, so, so they're preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So let me ask you a question. Uh, there's 400 years of silence between Malachi and uh, John the Baptist that shows up. You know what the Bible says about John the Baptist? It says, and by the way, let's be very clear, he's not called the Baptist because he was the first Baptist pastor of the Church of Jerusalem or any of that nonsense. He, he's called the Baptist because he baptized people, all right? Uh, that said, when John shows up. You know what the Bible says about him? I'm not, I won't have you turn there, but it says the law and the prophets were until John. All right? You know what John says? First words, repent for what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. All right? So you know what he's saying? He said, hey, hey boys, just, just remember. All right? There's been some people behind you plowing. 
and working and laboring, making it possible for you to do what you're about to do right now. And I think there's a good spiritual lesson there. And the spiritual lesson is this. Um, yes, the, the work of God has its challenges, uh, but I'm going to tell you right now, um, when we get to heaven, some of you don't know someone named Melinda Tigert, but I'm going to tell you about her. Um, when we started our church, we started with our family in our living room, didn't know anyone in Aurora, and, you know, I, I've told the story before, I remember knocking on doors in our neighborhood, and, you know, someone comes to the door, and, and me and my wife are there, and we're like, hey, we want to invite you to our new church, you know, oh, where is it, you know, it's a house right there, you know, and they'd look at you like you're crazy and shut the door. Um, I remember those days. I remember when we, we had, a, you know, just a handful of people in our old building, and it was a Wednesday night, and I had all the notes on the board, and uh, my family gets there, and, uh, you know, one by one, people are texting saying they can't come, and, and I'm just going, what am I doing? What am I doing? You know, maybe I should just quit this and just go full bore into business. Maybe I should just do something else. And right about the time that I started thinking that way, you say, what is that? I'm no different than you. I'm, I've been Amazon in this culture. I want to hit a button and stuff shows up. That's not how God works. That's not how God works. Um, and right about the time, I was just kind of dejected. And, you know, something you can just see it on someone's face. When you see that they're kind of, you know, they're Eeyore, you know, and, and uh, you know, no one loves me. No one wants to come to church, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, and, and it's funny. It's funny now. It's, it, to me, it's, there are times I'll be, drive, I'll be driving down the road, Brother Sean, and I just laugh. But it wasn't funny then. It wasn't funny then. She walked in, and she, saw, she just knew right away. She saw my face. She goes, I can't wait to hear what you have tonight. You preach. I need it. Don't be discouraged. It won't always be this way. All she said, and you believe it or not, that didn't carry me for years. You guys don't even know her. But someday you get to heaven to thank her. You say, what is that? Well, you know, sometimes you think it's not a big deal what you're doing, and, and uh, uh, it's no, but it is a big deal. And when you start laboring, you've got to realize there are people that went before you to make it even possible. Uh, some of you young guys that are enjoying street preaching, I remember going out with me and my family and looking like an idiot of all idiots. I remember going with one guy from church, two guys, me and Brother James and Brother Wayne going out, three of us. Now we go out in the corner on a, on a Friday night with our church, and there's 50 people out there. Well, that's a blessing. But I, I need you to understand there's been some plowing that's been done, not just for myself, others. All right? So, so when we rejoice in what the Lord is doing, let us never get to a place where we go, look at what I've done. It's more like, Lord, thank you for letting me get in on this. All right? Look down if you would. We're going to skip some verses because we taught on these other things about the two days. Uh, so look down if you would at John 4, verse number uh, 44. John 4, verse number 44. Uh, verse 43. Now after two days, he departed thence and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Then when he was coming into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he had did, did, that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went on the feast. I, I want to just point out to you, uh, that the hardest people that you're going to ever try to reach are your own people. Anybody try to witness to their family? And do they kind of look at you like, I know you. I know what you've done. 
I know who you are. Like, what are you doing bringing a Bible and talking about Jesus up in here? Don't get out of here. Right? And, and, and it's hard. Can, can I get a witness? It's the hardest people. Listen, I'm trying to encourage you this morning. Here's what I'm going to say because we ran out of time. Uh, shocker. I know you guys are all shocked that we ran out of time and that we got through like three verses. But, but in regards to this, I want you to be encouraged and understand this. The sinless, faultless, blameless, spotless Lamb of God. That's who Jesus Christ is. Amen? He himself encountered this. He himself, when he was around family, you know what they said? Is not this the carpenter's son? In other words, no big deal. Look at Luke chapter 4. We'll close here. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And can I say this? Do not ever get to where the work of God becomes, you become so familiar with it, listen to me carefully, that it becomes trivial to you. Someone says, we, someone got saved at the church. Yeah, well, that's, that happens. N- not everywhere it doesn't. I've been to some, listen, I was, I, I, I've been to some churches that wish and would to God. They pray, God, give us one. I don't even know how many. I lost count this year. I'm sure at this point it's between all the outreach stuff, over 100 people. That's not a small thing. <laughs> That's a big deal. But you know what happens after a while? Well, yeah, that happens. And, you know, a little kid comes up and they sing a song. And you go, oh, they're cute. Well, it's not just that they're cute. Look at what they're singing. They're not singing Cardi B garbage. They're singing the words of God. Look at where they could be. Look at where they're at. This is a miracle, guys. And so what you need to do is don't look at some small, look at it as, hey, this is the problem with Christians. They trivialize little things. They make big things small. Someone gets saved, no big deal. Someone sat in my chair, get out of my chair. You know what the problem is? Value system's messed up. Uh, look at Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4. They, they got so familiar with Jesus, they didn't even appreciate him. Luke chapter 4, and before you throw stones there, just know that's something we all struggle with. Uh, Luke chapter 4, look if you would at verse number 15. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. That's why when we read the scriptures together, we can all do that standing thing, all right, on our Sunday morning service. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, and he quotes it, and he's preaching about himself. Look at verse 20. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of, them, of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began to say to them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in, our, in your ears. And look what they respond with. And all bear him witness and wonder at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. I'd love it if people would wonder at the gracious words that proceed out of our mouth. But notice what it follows with. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? You know, you know what they didn't? They didn't take him for who he really was. Well, oh, we know him. That's just Jesus. That's the carpenter's son. Uh, Let me say this, um, the hardest people you're going to ever try to reach are your family. Lesson number one. Lesson number two, don't trivialize the work of God because it's a big deal. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Uh, Brother Sean, ask God's blessing we just learned if you would.